Cue the theme music. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 40 of the iFreak Show. This week on our panel, we have Pete Hodgson. Good morning from the Baghdad of the West. Where's that? San Francisco. I looked it up after the last episode when everyone had a nickname, and I did. I looked it up on Wikipedia. I've got a list now that I can go off of for quite a few weeks. Got it. Andrew Madsen? Hello from Salt Lake City. I, I really think we don't have a nickname for our city. James Zuber? Hello from South Canada. I'm Charles Maxwood from DevChat.tv, and this week we have a special guest, Saul Mora. Hello from Denver, home of the Denver Broncos, your next Super Bowl champions. I, I honestly think that's most likely the case. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you haven't been on the show for a while. Do you want to introduce yourself? Do I need an introduction? Really? He's wow. That, he's that guy <laughs> from that show. I'm just messing with you guys, man. I've got a, I've got a cop and attitude now, I guess. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, I'm Saul. Um, I write, uh, write code. I work for my little company called uh, Magical Panda Software. Um, I do another podcast called NS Brief. I wrote Magical Records. I do lots of different things here and there. I'm a busy guy, I guess, so uh, I, I forget everything that I do. <laughs> okay. I think with everyone from all the different podcasts on everyone else's podcast, it's like the 80s when everyone, when every show had someone from Facts of Life. On this very special episode on. of I Freak Show. <laughs> It's it's kind of like that. Yeah. <laughs> Are we going to get the thumbs on in a sec? Oh, man. That would be great. <laughs> I wonder if he knows anything about iOS development. Probably not. <laughs> Probably if he has any bugs, he just kind of like does that thing where he whacks the side of the iPhone just right and it fixes itself. Oh, really? I mean, that's no. how I fix my iPhone. Crickets. Oh, that, 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 that's that, how that I avoid like my warranty. Alright, well, we did the episode on MVC of what was it, two or three weeks ago-ish? And I think it was more than that when we recorded it because we recorded extra episodes to get through Christmas. Anyway, we talked about the responder chain, or we mentioned the responder chain. We also uh, uh, we got an email from Saul, and he was being very nice about stuff that we may not have mentioned that we should have. So uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious as to uh, what your, your take on that is, and then we'll just kind of move through the topics from there. Well, and I think a lot of what I had to say also revolves around a lot of the Twitter conversations that have been going around lately. I know Ash Furrow um, recently posted a blog post on uh, model view, view model patterns. And even before that, there was, uh, there's the reactive cocoa guys talking about stateless designs and, uh, you know, all these extra ways to kind of design your, your iOS applications that are different from MVC. And, uh, I think, you know, covering MVC, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to do because it feels like such a classical pattern in it. And, you know, it feels like, oh, we're in this modern world where things don't apply. The rules are different for us. And, uh, we come up with all these different names for things when it's really, uh, it's kind of the same deal, but, uh, but different, uh, you know, different subtle takes and, and subtle approaches to things when, when in reality is, what it seems to me is that if you really just kind of dig down into the core design principles of things, how to design applications properly so that you don't have, you know, a lot of redundancy and craziness and, and, uh, you know, so that you can kind of keep track of where everything and, and, uh, things like that, that, uh, you know, it kind of doesn't matter what the name of the pattern is. It just matters that you design a, an application that you can actually fix when things go wrong. So you're saying we don't have to obsess with whether we're MVVM or MVP or MVC or MV star or MVBBQ or 
Right. I guess it's 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 trying to reach a higher level of nirvana, right? <laughs> it's it's <laughs> transcending <down>. the patterns. <laughs> You know, and that's the thing is I've learned, you know, I, I used to be a, a huge student of patterns and I still am, but I think, you know, it's like any piece of advice or knowledge or wisdom, you got to take it with a grain of salt and, uh, you know, apply what's right. You know, you get down to the, the core fundamental principles of things and they don't always nicely fit into a pattern or a template or, or some kind of, uh, you know, pre-designed architecture. And that's not to say there aren't like valid architectures and, and patterns that you can start off with. It's just you have to also realize that uh, you have to know the rules before you can break the rules, right? So it's, it's kind of that way, and, and that's kind of how I, I was kind of, uh, you know, I was listening to your episode, I was thinking about that. I was like, well, you know, it's great for beginners, but I think, you know, th- you know, it's, it's good to ex- still explain that, you know, there are exceptions to the rules, and there are valid exceptions, and there are other ways to do things, and, and you can still use MVC and use it pretty well these days, um, and still kind of have some, you know, have a different way to kind of organize your app. Um, and still use MVC. So, I guess that's the that's the challenge with with all of these patterny things. Is they're kind of like when you're kind of early on in your learning, in your kind of like journey down the road of architectural enlightenment or whatever. You need something pretty prescriptive, right? You need. So I don't know. I'm I'm a big fan of the of the Dreyfus model, which is this um, this like model for how we learn. And uh, that talks about like when you're a beginner at something, you just need like loads of prescriptive advice. So if you're like a beginner chef, you just want like very, very step-by-step rote instructions on how to cook, you know, whatever you're cooking. Then as you kind of like gain levels of enlightenment on like the deep profundities of, of food, then you can start kind of deviating from the, the path, right? And like if the if the recipe uh, calls for garlic and onions, you might kind of decide that in your context you want to cook with shallots instead or use red onions rather than white onions or whatever. I, I kind of feel like the challenge is to know where you are on that on that scale and kind of once you've spent a little bit of time just cook, just following the recipe exactly, you need to start understanding the like the principles behind the practices, right? Like that why is MVC good? Or bad, and like so, so that you can start deviating. That's my take on what you're saying, so. Right, and I'm also trying to kind of, um, I guess, address some of the haters out there on the Twitter, the Twitterverse, just because you know I have uh, a lot of respect for the uh, for the GitHub guys that are, um, you know, they have the time and the ability to to do uh, something like Reactive Cocoa. But you know, Reactive Cocoa isn't the end all solution to everything either. It's it's really using, you know, again, putting a, you know, um, a another tool in your toolbox, having that available for when it's uh, the right time to use it. Uh, and that doesn't mean that you have to throw away all the other things that you've learned. And that's, you know, this is kind of coming at the, you know, after a long career of writing applications and things and, and uh, doing a lot of studying over the years. So it's, it's like you said, just kind of, you know, knowing where you are on that scale, knowing if you're a beginner or um, intermediate or advanced guy. And I think it also comes down to just kind of the, um, that whole 10,000 hours of, of experience, was it that Malcolm Gladwell book? Um, yeah. Was it Blink or something? Or No, it's um, Outliers. But, outliers, uh, right. The, the 10,000 hours is to get to be like the top of the top, the best of the best. You know, the people that are playing, you know, professional sports kind of level. You know, so you don't even need 10,000 hours to be proficient. Right. And I think for, for developers, it, it may be even be more, 
it might be more. I mean, and that's, so here's the other thing is like, I, I mentioned jokingly, it's, it's about achieving nirvana in your, your design and your application skills. And I think there's another level beyond the 10,000 hours where you, you kind of become uh, more than proficient, more than, I guess, competent in your field. It's, you kind of achieve, like I said, this Zen state of like, where you kind of see things, you start to see things differently and, and put things together in a different way so that you can, you, you can really start challenging the way things work. And I think that's, that's the level. I, I can't say that I, I'm at that level or not. I just I try to uh, try to aspire to those kinds of levels. So, and here's the frustrating thing about that is once you hit that kind of expert status or that Zen status, it's actually really hard for you to describe why things are good or bad to people who are like lower down on that scale because the way that you think about problems is really different. Right. So for you, Sol, in your Zen state, in your architectural Zen state, that we've, <laughs> we've just decided you're in. If you, you know, you know, like something's a good idea or a bad idea. So, you know, for a specific, maybe for a specific type of application, the reactive approach is going to work really well or is going to work really badly or, you know, not, not work well, let's say. You describing that to someone who's lower down on that kind of, on that Dreyfus uh, scale is actually going to be quite hard because the way that you think about things is, is going to be very abstract. Right? It's going to be very kind of bound to context. And it's, and it's really, really hard to translate that. Because you have to you have to bundle up so many concepts at the same time when you're when you're explaining that. So you have to kind of before you can talk about one thing, you have to kind of chunk it down into talking about the underlying things behind that and explain that principle and that principle. And then before you know it, you've been talking for an hour and you still haven't really started talking about why something's wrong for that context. All right. So so getting back to the actual conversation at hand, I guess <laughs> about, you know talking about MVC and all that stuff. You know, speaking at way too high a level. You know, I think. You know, as a kind of an educator myself, I consider myself an educator in the um, iOS and and the Mac developer space. Uh, you know, I try to explain some of these higher level concepts in in simpler terms, so at least you know people can kind of get an idea and and do some more research themselves and and do that as well. So, you know, as far as what you were talking about in the MVC show a couple of weeks ago, um, the one thing that really struck me, if I recall correctly, was that. You only briefly, passly, um, passingly mentioned uh, the responder chain, and uh, the responder chain, I think, is is not the end all solution to a lot of um, the MVC's woes. But I think it's a good start to looking at how to use the responder chain to decouple your apps, and that's kind of a talk that I gave, and, and you mentioned that as well that that talk on design patterns that I gave at uh, the MDevCon last year and all that, and uh, really what that talk was about was using the responder chain to, to decouple a lot of the connections between your apps so that, you know, when it comes time to uh, change a hierarchy, you need to introduce a view or, or remove a view uh, or a view controller or such. It doesn't really matter as long as it's within the responder chain, which, which on iOS kind of happens automatically. So, so I'm going to play the role of someone who doesn't, doesn't get all of the, of the details of the stuff. So is this responder chain stuff? An alternative to MVC, or is it a way of using MVC, or where does it fall in that? So the responder chain is, um, well, I guess it's a chain of responsibility is, I guess, the, the uh, classical uh, gang of four design pattern. Um, but it's funny, because if you take a look at the responder chain when your app is built up, it's actually more of a tree. Basically, what happens when uh, when your app is drawn on the screen for iOS, you've got all these views, buttons, you know, tap areas, all these things that can respond to touch events or even more than touch events, mo- motion events, push notification events, you know, basically outside 
uh, you know, it basically outside inputs into your application. And that's what a responder is. So if you notice, um, if you look at the docs, you notice that uh, UI responder is really a non-visual control. I believe uh, UI control even uh, subclasses from UI responder. It's, uh, the responder is basically something that can respond to outside input. So as far as how it fits into the MVC pattern is, I think of it as more of a communication channel of getting things from the views into the models. And um, I think that was the big, I can maybe point a contention in in that that last show was well how do you have these things observe stuff without have being tightly coupled and all this stuff and it really comes down to you have to define some kind of of language uh, you know in Objective C we have protocols that uh, hold that that very definition um, but we're not really bound to that we, you know Objective C is so flexible that we can we can just send any old message uh, up the pipeline up the responder chain pipeline and you know if it just if it doesn't get handled then nothing happens, and, and that can also be a, a problem, but you should also try to handle that as well. So can you go into more detail, into, or can you give us like a concrete example of how this would work using the, using the responder chain? So, I don't know, maybe just a, a trivial example of you've got like a standard, I don't know, a login page, let's say, and you want to you wanna handle all of, all of the interactions between the view and the and the controller that might happen during that login. Sure. So, like, yeah, take take your uh, your your CodeMonkey login page um, that that uh, manager Rob actually went and implemented. And uh, so you've got like a, you know a login or a username, and you've got a password field, and you've got you know the little login button. So if you're familiar with with uh, iOS a little bit, what you'll do is when you have that username, so you want the the keyboard to show up, you know, right when that, that login form shows up. You'll go ahead and say um, keyboard or not? No, it's, it's a text field, uh, basically a self dot login field. Uh, become first responder. So that's that's kind of one clue as to what's going on there. Is that you're telling the system that you want the first responder, or basically the the thing, the control or the responder that's in the system. You want that to accept all the incoming events. And what that does is kind of tells the system, well, okay. This is a text field. Okay, you can become the first responder. It's got some built-in stuff there to fire up the keyboard, and the keyboard then will, um, you know, fire off basically key press events and and fill in that text field for you. And that's just kind of the, the first thing. And and you also notice that if you've got uh, a UI text uh, field or a text view delegate, you'll have a, a should return delegate method. I don't remember the exact uh, signature, but it's basically said if you hit return, should this return. And uh, with login fields, you, you basically don't want any return characters. So you just say, you tell it to return no. And then what you do there is you say, well, what's my, you know, you want to implement the, the next responder, which would be the, uh, the password field. So you tell it um, in that method, you say, well, did I just come from the text, from the login uh, or the username uh, text field? If I did and I hit the return key, well, I want to jump to the password field and want to start entering the, the password in there. And it's really just, you know, entering in that delegate method and, uh, you know, just basically doing that, that same logic. And it's usually like three lines of code. Uh, one of them is an if statement and the other one is a return no statement. So that's a pretty simple thing. And then from there, what you can also do is in that same delegate, um, you can say, well, was the delegate the, the password field? And I hit return. Well, what should happen next? Well, by default, it should go ahead and, and kick off the, uh, the login mechanism. 
And now this is where it gets a little bit more complicated as far as the way that I see things is that a lot of people will go ahead and put their login uh, functionality right in that view controller that's containing all those views and those delegate callbacks and everything. And they'll, they'll fire off a network thing to go and log into your web service and they'll fire off a bunch of spinny stuff there to make it, make sure that, uh, it looks like something's happening. And, uh, you'll have all these blocks and all these things kind of going off right there. And, uh, the way that I would do it instead is, you know, you, you use the same responder chain. So instead of just calling another method within that view controller, you basically have all of your login functionality living in a separate subsystem somewhere out basically outside of that view controller and it could be anywhere along the responder chain um, and, and my suggestion is to make another class that kind of sits in the application delegate and, it, and it's not application delegate methods that you attach to it this is another class that is a responder after the application delegate and, and I'll get uh, I'll talk about which ones are, are in the chain in a minute um, but basically what you want to do is send a login command uh, with that information that uh, tells you how to log in and send that up the chain so that this other network thing can do the login for you. So that makes sense to me. The login view controller is responsible for kind of managing the view, controlling the view, but it's not responsible for figuring out, like it's responsible for managing the login UI, but it's not responsible for the actual act of logging in because it's a view controller, not a business logic, everything in the application lives in here controller. Right, it's not a network controller or a controller in in that kind of sense. It doesn't. It, it's not meant to to control all of your business logic. You, I guess here, you know, for for the enterprisey folks, you, you, your business logic isn't live in a view controller. That's just trying to, like it says, control the view, which means displaying where the cursor goes, what becomes a responder when, how to react to a failed login, maybe basically by displaying a failed login prompt. Uh, things like that, but the actual act of doing the login and all that stuff is, is somewhere else in the system. And frankly, that the best way that you could do it is, is to basically have the view controller not really care. And by not caring, it's basically designing it to an interface. And that's where protocols again come in. And you could do that more explicitly or you could do it implicitly with just, you know, a, a magic selector somewhere that, that, that you just happen to know and it happens to send that up the responder chain. So, Saul, in the system you're describing, does the view controller have any knowledge of kind of the login handler that's in the responder chain, or is it just kind of nebulously passed up? So, um, as far as login handler, you're talking about the actual thing that performs the login? Right. Talks to the service or does whatever it needs to do. Right. And so, this is kind of where I'm, I've, I've been a little uh, ambiguous with, like, this protocol definition. Now, the thing is, is, like, in order to use a responder chain, you need to know the selector, because the selector is the message. So, basically... I guess in general terms, the responder chain is sending messages to a bunch of different handlers in the chain, and whoever wants to handle it, or the basically the first one that can handle it, should handle it. And if they want to, they can pass it back up the chain and stuff. And there is no formal definition of what selector you can pass up the chain. It's, you know, you use the at selector syntax, and you can just pass any old message up the chain. And uh, there is no, I wouldn't say there's there's no way to really formalize it, um, because you certainly could. But what you do need is to, um, in modern Objective-C, I would say that you need to know what that selector is so that the compiler can tell you if you're, you know, basically making up a selector. 
I mean, we're not talk- we're not dealing with Ruby here, where you can just make up any anything and and uh, have it crash with the uh, this crazy stack trace, you know. <laughs> but for the example of like, okay, you've entered in all your information, your username, your password. Now you've clicked like a login button, right? So you've, you touch up inside. Um, selector goes up. Is that calling a selector on the view controller, which is going up the view chain? I, yeah. How does, so how does that work? Yeah. So let me talk about the actual chain. So like I said, it's like a tree and. The root of the tree is actually your application delegate. So the application delegate is, is kind of the last stop in the responder chain. And then after that, it's actually that root view controller, uh, or it's actually the window, and then the root view controller on that window. So it, it kind of bubbles up. So everything that you add as a sub-view uh, controller or a sub-view to that becomes part of the responder chain. For iOS, for Mac, it's a little bit different. It's just basically the views. The view controllers are not part of the chain. So you basically have everything. You know how you have basically, it's, it's, it's almost a reflection of the view hierarchy. And that's a, a very tree-like structure. So basically what happens is when you tap on the, on that login button or you tap on the go button or whatever it is, it is tapping a, basically a leaf in that tree and it's kind of bubbling up to the root via that connection chain of the view hierarchy, more or less. So that that's kind of what happens when you when you tap the, the go button or the login button and you're sending that message. Or actually, that's, that's kind of the way that I do things now, uh, personally in my own apps is uh, to grab that message and then pass it along uh, the responder chain uh, that way. So uh, what's nice also is it's pretty easy to send a, uh, a message up the chain. It's basically one line of code, something to do with a UI application, shared application, and look for like send event to from something, or send action to from event. And uh, that'll get you a long ways as far as uh, just sending messages up the responder chain. So what would what would the to and the from be in in this if in this example of the, the login? So and this is where you know knowing all these different patterns that exist in uh, Cocoa and uh, and iOS development. Uh, the first one that we talked about is the delegate with the with the callback delegates. That's a pretty common one. Uh, the other one is this target action uh, deal, and that basically just says that any target any object can be passed an action, which is basically a message. And, and for for all intents and purposes, for us. It's uh, it's just a selector. So any any target action deal is kind of has a convention as well. Um, you could pass no arguments to it. Uh, you can pass one argument to it, and that's usually when you see on the IB action when you create an IB action in in code, you'll see it kind of creates the ID sender for you. That's generally always the first one. So that that two is kind of what uh, who it's going to, and the action is obviously the selector that we're sending, and the from is generally always going to be that sender. And so now you've got kind of a, you know something that you see more commonly when you actually do a button and you, uh, like an interface builder or even in code, when you add a target and an action, um, you're basically telling what specific object, what action you want to perform, and you're telling it who sent the message. So you, it, this makes it sound somewhat explicit. But it sounded like before you were implying that some of this was implicit, that it would just do the right thing under the right circumstances. Yeah, so with the responder chain, so when you're doing a specific action or a specific target, if you have, basically, if for the beginners, you'll generally send all targets to the files owner if you're using, um, is there, if you're using a view controller nib, you'll, you'll say, well, you'll add a button, and you'll say, uh, you'll drag the, the line to the, to the files owner, and you'll have an action that you connect it to. And then that's, that's being very explicit. The way that you'd be implicit in user responder chain, you've also got in the nib file that first responder deal. And uh, you just drag it in there, and that'll basically 
Um, and sometimes it'll be slow when it pops up, but uh, it's it's inspecting all the um, the actions in the responder chain from that from that point. Uh, and I think it's just for the application. I don't know exactly what the scope is of that of that uh, that pop over there. But basically, you could just uh, you know connect an action to the responder chain that way. And what that basically does under the covers is, you know how we had the send action to from event method? You're still specifying the action and you're specifying from, but for two, you're saying nil, which basically that nil is what's, is what's targeting the responder chains, which means that you can also do this for buttons. So if you have a button and you um, specify the target as nil, that will also go up to the responder chain as well. So one thing that I'm I'm a little bit fuzzy on still with the responder chain is so it goes to this first responder, you know whoever it is that is supposed to take care of that first, and then does it just automatically know who to bubble up to next if it's not going to handle that, or do you have well, to explicitly tell it from there? Right. So that's where the whole chain comes in. So if you also notice on the UI responder class, there's a next responder method, and that's what happens. So it'll basically say, do you, it basically does very simply, um, does this object uh, respond to this selector, you know, if no, well, what's your next responder? Does that one do it? And it just keeps bubbling up the chain that way. And that's, that's what makes it so dynamic and so flexible that, that you, you know, you really don't care who handles it. All you care about is that, well, I have this message that's login. Okay. Whoever is going to implement login probably has some idea that I want to log into the system. And that's kind of, it's kind of this, this really, general assumption of like well the, the you know the, that you name these methods correctly so that's kind of what makes the magic work is kind of a combination of convention and then this this infrastructure that's already there for you okay walk us walk us up an example responder changes for benefit of everyone everyone listening so you start with the view and it, it goes well, so you can see here on my slides you know my 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 nice view controller responder chain diagram right you, know, you guys not seeing this looks good to me Crickets. <laughs> it's very zen. Yeah, sure. I like the color scheme. I know, man. I, I, I worked all night on that for you guys. Why did you use PowerPoint? Oh, <laughs> so it would animate better. Oh. <laughs> no, wait. That's not the right answer. Uh, so um, I think there's there's a few uh, diagrams, actually. Um, and I think they're in the Apple Docs. I'll have to grab a link for that for you. Uh, as far as, I guess, how the responder chain works. And, uh, you know, I mentioned that the application delegate is part of the chain and it's basically a reflection of of your view hierarchy uh, so basically what happens is and you know like I said when you tap uh, a button for example you're basically telling the system that that's the first responder and then that one kind of starts this whole process off so I mean uh, that button I mean it has its own responder then it passes up the chain to a super view no well right? not, not exactly so it doesn't use views. So when you add views and view controllers and buttons and all that stuff to the view, all that responder chain stuff is done for you automatically. You know, you'll notice that there is no set next responder uh, method on UI responder because it's all done for you. If you do try to override set next responder, because I think you can, you will get a lot of problems. And this is from experience. I <laughs> haven't tried this. So don't, you don't need to do this. Um, just kind of use it as is, and it will get you a long way. So whatever the system decides will be the next responder, and th that that's just kind of the way it, it'll it'll bubble up the chain. And, it'll, and it won't use the view hierarchy exactly. That's just kind of like my visual model of, of, of the way that it looks. But it just basically follows that next responder method to kind of 
basically do a, a while loop over that chain. Okay, I was just trying to get a, a visual image of how the what the next responder is going to be. Yeah, and the, the next responder, so generally it'll be, if it's the view, if, you know, if that particular view or responder handles it, it'll be that one, and then the next responder will generally be the super view, and then it'll be the view controller, and then it's the window, and then it's the app delegate. So it kind of goes in that. And I would refer to this uh, picture, I think, of the event architecture that uh, probably explains that in a better detail. But what I, you know, one of the other things that you can do with the responder chain is that you can follow it yourself. There's no reason you can't. So you can write your own while loop, and I've done this in, in debugging, uh, is to kind of make my own category on UI responder that says print out responder chain, and all it does is say while next responder, um, you know, bubble up, print out the current responder, and then bubble it up, and then keep going. And that's really useful for debugging because that also helped me figure out as far as when the first the responder chain doesn't work. And it doesn't work in your view controllers if you try to launch something before view did appear is called. Now think about it. It's, it's really important though. Uh, view did appear happens when your view or view controller uh, is in the view hierarchy. So if, if this kind of models that view hierarchy, like I said, you know, that whole tree structure, if it's not in that tree structure the, that connects up to the act delegate and all the other top level stuff, there's no way. It's basically you've severed the chain before that. So, if you send messages up the responder chain before view did appear or um, after view did disappear, uh, your messages are basically going to end up at nil at eventually because it's not going to bubble up to all the way to the top. So that's that's one caveat that you need to, to look at. But I would encourage you to, to try it out in your own apps. It's a really it's a really simple uh, method to write. It maybe takes you know four lines of code depending on how many on where you put your curly braces. So. Oh, as a warning to our our users, UI scroll view had a bug where it didn't pass on the responder chain correctly. I think it, I hope it's been fixed, but at least with iOS five and possibly iOS six, it was not working. Well, that that would be a pretty big problem. It just work, uh, work around is not pretty, but we got to figure oh, it out. Wow, yeah, that I'm glad I glad I started using it after iOS five. <laughs> <laughs> so. So are these calls to the next level in the chain are they uh are they synchronous calls or you know does it you know s- split off another thread to handle that, that stuff? Yeah, so it's 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 basically in the same thread in my experience um or the same uh, it, it, yeah it it doesn't it it'll block. So if you call that send uh send action method um it'll block until um until it gets done. So yeah, be aware of that as well. But these are kind of fire and forget, right? Like you're not going to get a well, not fire and forget necessarily, but you're not going to get a response back. Like you can't get a yeah. So you could. So there's there's a couple of hacks that 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 uh, I've kind of discovered in my use of of the responder chain. Well, first of all, what you should also do is that if you're not sure that an event or a message or whatever is not being handled in a responder chain, the send action to from event message uh, will return a boolean whether it was handled or not. So if it kind of made it to the end and nobody nobody handled it, it'll say no, uh, and then you can kind of debug from there. So you can always check that that return value and and uh, see how things are going. So um, that's where maybe you might want to check that and then print out the responder chain to see if it's been disconnected somehow, or, or if you're in the maybe in the wrong branch or something that you know the the thing that you expected to handle that particular event is uh, in a different branch of the view hierarchy than you expected. Um, that's all. That's also been uh, something that I've run into as well. What was the original question? I, I was on a train of thought and then I, I lost it there. 
I was asking about whether you can get a response back. That's what I was I was thinking about. I don't. I mean, I don't. Oh, think right. really, that doesn't fit the pattern, right? Like, if you're firing an event, it's an event. It's not a. You know, it's not. A, it's not something where you're asking a question and expecting a response. Right. So, you know. So here's the thing: is like you've got that that from parameter, and uh, you generally want to fill that in because that is kind of your only way to get back to where you were. And this was kind of this is kind of my original hack. So when you have like a, a network responder, you'll, you'll generally want to know what's going on with that. And uh, one of the ways that you do that is is having a delegate. And uh, so you basically will say, "Well, I'm sending this a message, and let me know what's going on, whether there's an error or there's progress, or I need to do uh, authentication or something like that." So you'll have like delegate callbacks for that. Well, setting the delegate is not always uh, not an easy thing to do if it's kind of that detached, right? If you're not using a, a singleton, which I hope you're not, it's it's pretty hard to set the delegate. So think about the form of the set delegate message on any object, right? So if you have a delegate property, you get two methods. Um, you'll get a delegate uh, accessor, which tells you what the delegate is, and you have a set delegate colon mutator or, or a setter. And if you look at it, it's basically the exact same form as the action colon sender uh, syntax, right? We don't really, in Objective-C, we don't care what the parameters are. We don't do any type checking on parameters. So one of the hacks that I did early on, um, just kind of messing around, was send the set delegate from self up the responder chain, and that way the network thing, the, the network object that's in my somewhere in my responder chain would send all of those event messages back to whatever it was that I passed in as the from object. So I could set it as self, or I could set it as the view controller, uh, something like that. But basically, it would set the delegate first. And like I said, these things are synchronous, so that would be guaranteed to be called first. Set the, the delegate on the view controller. And then after that, I could send my just my general login message. And then after that, I basically got my communication channel between my network guy and my view controller that has the information that the delegate or the uh, the network login command might need, and uh, do all that hackery that way. Okay, so the view controller sends something up the responder chain saying, "Hey, let me know that I'm the responder to this type of an event when this happens." So when it passes up the button click for the login, it just kind of waits for that response. Am I getting that right? So it doesn't really wait for a response. I mean, other than the... the, the uh, waiting is not the right word, but it yeah. kind of sits and does its thing until it gets a, the message from... Right, right. So this this kind of whole little weird kind of hackety pattern that I came up with was is, is kind of an abuse of the responder chain in um, basically using a, a set property method to set the delegate so you can get all this... this uh, so basically you can open up this communication channel for yourself when you do something that uh, requires much more callback information for you. Seems kind of a little bit sketchy, though, because if someone else also is interested in finding out when network calls complete, it's going to, you know, these guys, because they're really decoupled, they don't really know even who they're talking about, let alone who else is talking to that thing. So it seems like there's a risk that these guys are going to trample on each other and kind of take it, you know, uh, you know, I register for a delegate from my view controller, and then you register for a delegate from your view controller, and suddenly I don't, I'm no longer getting any notifications anymore. Right, and that's kind of what I found. This is kind of like a hack. That's why I'm explicitly trying to say it's a hack. But it was it was a fun thing to discover that I could do uh, do stuff like that with the responder chain, because you know again that first parameter is basically the from or the sender, 
And if that first parameter on your method is basically who you want to be the delegate instead, you know, like I said, you know, it doesn't check types. It'll just call set delegate on the sender. And, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty fun. So as far as, um, addressing what you're saying about the, uh, the responder chain and that, that little hack, yeah, that is kind of a problem. That's where I, uh, kind of, um, I guess inspired, uh, Graham Lee to, uh, write about a command bus pattern, which I guess he had seen from somewhere. So I guess that this whole idea of a command bus that I recently released has been around for a while. I, I just kind of took some of the stuff and ideas that Graham had posted on his blog and, uh, in that, that little project that he had. And I've, um, uh, kind of, uh, put it on steroids. And I think actually the command bus is really the responder chain on steroids as well. So what the command bus pattern does is, um, lets us fire off commands. So the limitation, like you said, uh, of the responder chain is that we only can send, you know, um, objective C selectors or messages that way. But the idea holds is that what we want to do is embrace the message passing environment of objective C, right? So message C or objective C is, is message passing. So you can, you can send any message to any object as long as it implements it and doesn't, cr- it won't crash. And, uh, using the responder chain is basically a way to send a message to someone in the chain that might handle that. Now, what the command bus does is kind of encapsulate these messages into a collection of parameters. And also what it does, and what I've been um, kind of experimenting with, is encapsulate some logic. So if you want any callback logic um, within the command, so basically the command can handle some rudimentary parsing stuff for you before it passes it back to the sender, which you should also pass. So... I guess the general thing is this command bus is, is really uh, a communications channel for your application. And uh, it, it really, to me, it's kind of uh, uh, an, an extension to uh, the responder chain pattern, um, even though it's it's kind of sits aside from the responder chain itself. So on the surface, it appears a bit like kind of a service bus and service bus that would be used kind of like an enterprise like distributed systems. Is that a fair comparison to what this what we're yeah. talking about here? Right. So I remember when I, in my enterprise days, I always looked at these message bus things and, and things like a, a, a queuing system and all that stuff. And I thought it was way overkill until I learned what it was actually for, which is kind of, you know, basically load balancing and, and evening out the, the workload so that, you know, work can still get done basically when the hardware or the machine is ready for it, um, which is kind of the way that this thing works also. So yeah, it, it is a lot like that. And, um, you know, I, I guess we noticed that after the fact. <laughs> so walk us through kind of the login thing we were talking about before. How would that get set up with this uh, MGP command bus? Yeah, so with the command bus, once you have that thing installed, um, you would have to set up your own little handler. So um, there's some, uh, there's a protocol in there. It's uh, MGP command handler that basically says, well, can you execute a command and execute the command and uh, it'll also return an error. And, uh, when, if you're going to do the login, uh, you still do the same stuff with the responder chain and all that stuff. And, uh, with, at least with the, uh, the text fields and all that. But when you go to the actual login, what you would do instead is create a login command. And that you would want to uh, extend from MGP command. I think there's a, a base class in there. Um, but there's also an interface as well. And now what that will do is basically instead of, uh, in the responder chain example, you'd say send the login message, and all that gets passed as a parameter is a sender. There's no 
Um, there's no username, there's no password or hash password or whatever else. Um, there's no way to call you back explicitly. So you can put all that information in the command. So you could just say, you know, login command dot username equals this, login command dot password equals that. Um, you could encrypt it before it saves it into the, into the thing and all that stuff. Uh, you could have the sender. So you could have uh, where that command originated from. So basically who sends that on. So whoever's uh, displaying that view will can be uh, notified of anything that happens after the fact. You can also say, well, say like the, uh, you know, that this login command is for a specific server. Say it's like the Twitter OAuth login command and it has to parse some JSON. Well, you could eventually make a base uh, network command that, you know, will parse JSON for you automatically and put that into some uh, nice little properties in that command. So what happens is when you get that, when that command finishes and it sends the, um, I guess the command callback uh, message to the, the object that you specify, the sender, um, it'll send you the command back and then you can just query the command. Well, hey, what was, what was the actual response that's basically been pre-processed for you? So by the time it gets to the view, you don't have to do any parsing work already. It's already been done, uh, by the commander, the handler, or, you know, whoever decides does what, what work. But basically all you do is you create this command, you send it along the bus, and then the bus will handle it. That handler gets done. Um, it'll create a little, uh, NS operation in the background for you, basically a queue and uh, process this stuff asynchronously. And, you know, you don't have to worry about it at, at that point, other than making sure that your your handler works correctly as, as far as the network stuff goes. But, you know, basically it is kind of a set it and forget it, and it's asynchronous automatically. So uh, I, I find that that's kind of nice, and it really defines the lines as to what the view controller is responsible for. So there, there's, uh, you know, what happens after the command is done, it's successful or not, you can pop up your little login successful kind of message or failed and, and you could, you know, display the error if you need to, that kind of thing. And it separates that, that view, that presentation logic from all that network business logic, communication logic, all that craziness that, that is headless anyway. Um, this command bus really defines that line really explicitly. Which is what I think the big downsides to a lot of, uh, you know, are a lot of what uh, the things that the MVC haters say is that, you know, there's, there's no, you know, it, the lines get blurred. And I think that this will clean up those lines, uh, pretty well. I think I'm following with the, the idea that you, you know, the, the view controller generates this command saying, I want to do a, a login. And then that command gets put on the bus. But the, where does the logic for actually doing the logging in is that? embodied in the command itself or is there some other thing that's like seeing these commands come along the bus and saying oh login commands i know how to handle those let me go ahead and do that for you right so that's i'm still kind of experimenting with it because it can go in the command or the handler the idea with the handler is is that that's supposed to basically execute the command and you know i've, I've still trying to i've gone back and forth on this in my own projects and i'm still kind of I feel like I'm still discovering how this thing should work well. But I think I, the general rule of thumb is that I've come up with so far, if it's kind of plumbing stuff, like, like it's basically like the network logic that is, you know, so general, like creating an NSURL session, setting the callback, setting, uh, you know, all the things that you need to get a network communication thing to, to work is where the handler should be used. And if you're doing command-specific parsing logic, that seems to be, or even command-specific setup logic, 
Um, that seems to be where the command, you know, putting that logic in the command is useful. Uh, for example, I've actually had to implement communication channel with, uh, with Amazon S3 web services or, or the, uh, the API. And, uh, what I've done myself is that, you know, what, or what, or if you're familiar with it, you've got to basically sign in with your, um, your keys, uh, you know, your, your access key and your access secret. So you basically have to use those two pieces of information to sign all of your network requests. So what I've done there is I've got basically a generic network handling handler that will say, well, is this a network command? Yes. Well, I can handle you. Now, network command, give me a request. And uh, because it's a network command, it knows that the command knows how to generate a request. And in the request, I go ahead and fire off all the request signing logic, the things that you have to do to sign the header, and then pass that off to, um, you know, basically have that generate the request and the request is generated in the handler after that it kind of continues on and then it gets sent off over the network and and come you know gets the call back and then eventually what will also happen is the command will get some of the more specific callbacks when it when it does come back and do simple things like parsing the xml that needs to come back from amazon and uh you know also cleaning that up into something that's uh more appropriate for uh just uh, an objective c app you know basically converting it to an ns dictionary that's uh, for easy easy use down the line in the in the application so that's kind of where i've done things so far i'm a little skeptical about the implementation inheritance you have going on there where like if you've got the network code in a base class and then you've got your kind of custom stuff in a subclass then it's going to be really irritating to test that if if you if you're using composition instead, then you can just swap out the networky stuff with fake networky stuff. But because you're inheriting and you're you're doing it that way, it's going to be really hard to to fake out the the network stuff if it's coming in from a superclass. Well, yeah, there's there's no reason you couldn't use composition over inheritance, which uh, is another another rule of thumb there. But like I said, I'm still experimenting with stuff to see how things work out. But I mean, I think generally, you were yeah. I mean, just generally that, uh, you know, the, the command logic just has, you know, some of the stuff that basically will help, help the handler set things up and also takes away the need for the handler to know all the post-processing stuff. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that makes sense to me that you kind of, you want to just be able to plug in, you know, if you're making us, if you're making a, your own kind of special type of command, you just want to be able to plug in the stuff that's that's relevant and all of the boring kind of plumbing is handled by, you know, a superclass or whatever. Well, it's also ha- handled by the handler itself. And like I said, that network plumbing is something that you don't want to do all the time. You know, what generally people seem to do in their applications is write a network manager singleton because manager makes it more official. And, uh, you know, the, the, you know, once you get singletons in your code, I mean, it's all downhill from there. It just really couples your application to this network thing. And, and by sending commands, you really don't care if it's an actual network manager or if it's this mock manager that returns, you know, pre-rendered uh, responses and, and things like that. So uh, it really is, is a, a nice way to set up your applications uh, as far as uh, just decoupling things. I like the decoupling and I like that it gives you somewhere to put this stuff that everyone, like one of the things, Sol, me and you have talked about this, I think, but one of the, one of the things that really irritates me about these debates or discussions around MVC is people tend to seem to think that because there's an M, a V and a C, everything has to live in one of those three places. 
I, I actually think, you know, I, I know that's not the case. You can just put this stuff in regular old classes. And we've, you know, we've talked about this a few times on the show before, I think. But at the same time, I, I kind of like this as at least another place to put the stuff that isn't the view controller and isn't the model and, you know, it definitely isn't the view. So that's, that's kind of neat. Yeah. Well, and what's, what's nice about this is that it's a, you know, it's like I said, it's a communication channel. It's, it's an MVC thing, but it's also got kind of an input output so that you can send stuff outside of the MVC architecture or pattern that you've got for a particular set of classes for an app. And you can also get a response back. So it's, it's still also doing things that MVC would do anyway, which is kind of have a, you know, a, an observer kind of pattern. And that's kind of what the whole callback functionality of the command bus does. It'll just kind of let you let, let it'll let you know it's 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 less observer and more of uh, the Hollywood thing. We'll, we'll we'll tell you what's going on, and yeah, it's just nice to like you said, just have a place for this stuff, which is again where everybody seemed to put all this stuff in singletons, and now you don't have to put it in a singleton, and now you don't you don't have to have this stuff you know be tightly coupled in your app. Um, you also don't have to have it live forever in your app. There's still things with like lifecycle that I need to work on for the command bus as far as being able to tear down certain handlers and things. I think right now they kind of live uh, for the life cycle of the command bus, but I'm looking at ways to kind of, you know, just clean it up so that, you know, say you don't use the network or the network is down, it'll just kind of destroy the command, uh, the network handler. And, and that way, well, you know, you can't send uh, network commands well because there's no network, things like that. So um, what's also nice is if you look at the, the command bus signature, uh, you have a method for can handle command. And I made that a class method because I just, basically, it's just really simple validation for the handler that doesn't do anything. It doesn't instantiate um, all the heavyweight stuff that the handler would need to do to live. Like, say, it needs to set up a network. Well, if you can't send anything to the network anyway, or if the network's not connected, why do I bother put, you know, putting together an NSURL session in the first place? So um, I kind of did, did that. You know, whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. It could still change. But what's nice about that is that what you can do is it returns a Boolean whether it can handle it or not. So basically, it'll say you set up your command, say, can I send this network request? And say you have a button that needs to work or you know be enabled or not based on whether the network is, is active. Well, you just prepare your command like usual and just send it up to the bus and say, hey, can you do this command? And if no, well, just disable the button. And, and I've used this a couple of places in my UI, and it's, it's been awesome. So all I do is, uh, you know, when, when I'm ready to, to re-enable that button is recreate the command, resend it up the chain, and and uh, it'll say, yeah, I can handle it now, and, and it re-enables the button. It's, it's really nice. It's decoupled still. That's awesome. That's a really nice example of where that decoupling can really pay off is the UI or the view controller doesn't need to, doesn't care why it can't do that. It just knows I can't do that right now, so let me, you know, give that feedback in, in the UI without having to understand, oh, is the network available? Is my reachability API doing whatever? Right, exactly. And it's, it's getting, getting all that specific cruft away from the view controllers, which I think really helps to clean these things up and, and get, get away from the massive view controller pattern that so many people also uh, seem to adhere to. Uh, and I have noticed that even, even before my view controllers were, I would say, generally lighter weight, um, they've basically gone on a diet with this pattern. They basically only manage the pixels on the screen, which has been awesome. You know, you know, enabling things to show up on the screen or hiding things or moving things around. You know, I can really let my view controllers focus on the presentation of, uh, of the pixels on the screen, which has been really, really nice to keep that separate. That's something we can all get behind. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Two thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, you have the view controller then has a single responsibility, more or less. Right. And you have other classes or other job handlers or whatever you want to call them that are out there that do these other jobs. And so you can you can segment the responsibility according to where it actually belongs instead of, like you said, you know, kind of piling everything up in the view controller and uh, just saying, well, I don't know where else to put it. Well, yeah, and it also helps by... Um, not putting things in a singleton, which is, like I said, a, a common solution to the, the to that problem of, you know, decoupling with, or, you know, I guess segregating responsibility, but it still leaves things tightly coupled. Um, and I think this solves that particular problem as well. Right, because it's just a message sent on a system that's meant to handle those jobs. Exactly. It's, it's a, again, it's, 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 it's following that same uh, message passing paradigm. It's just the message in this case is a command that's basically the entire class so it's kind of a message on steroids in the Objective-C sense. Does N- MGP in MGP Command Bus stand for Magical Panda? It does. Okay. I, I, I couldn't think of a better uh, three-letter acronym. <laughs> so I've got one last, one last question, which is maybe a stupid question. This, the MGP Command Bus, is that using the responder chain, or is it an alternative to the responder chain? So it is an alternative to the responder chain. I, I had toyed around with kind of hooking it up inside the responder chain, but because uh, selectors are different enough from, you know, command objects, I didn't want to confuse the two. Um, now, I'm sure what I could do is, you know, have the command bus be the first responder, wrap that selector and all that stuff into a command, and, uh, you know, have that fire up the command bus and things like that. I could do that, I'm sure, but uh, I didn't hadn't gone that far just yet. I kept them separate. One of the things that um, that's also kind of good to know is that as far as the specifically for the MGP command buses, I made a couple of additions. So I had mentioned in, as far as the responder chain, there is that send action uh, to from event method. That's uh, a message on or a method on a UI application. So what I've done in the command bus is make a category on UI application that's basically send command, and there's some variations on it, send command from self, things like that, so that what you can do is, or basically it's it's the same paradigm. You're just following the paradigm that Apple has already stated with its API and just doing something along those same lines. So I tried to make it uh, very similar, and uh, it's also got some handy setup, setup helpers, so basically in your app delegate, you could just set an array of classes for the delegate method, and it'll it'll kind of set itself up automatically on demand so it doesn't set up a command bus right away until you actually send messages or commands up the bus so yeah it's 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 uh it's a pretty nice project i think it's it's a very low level plumbing project um but i'm hoping uh in the future for it though uh to have uh, some contributions for you know maybe like a network handler by default which i may contribute to have other various handlers uh, and eventually maybe get a set of commands like, uh, you know, like a Twitter command um, or or things like that that just kind of let me do all these things with the command bus. And, I, you know, the thing is, I know they're all asynchronous. I know they're all going to be handled in the queue and, and all that stuff. So um, there's still some things that can be done. Uh, one of the other things that's that's really nice that should be pretty easy for the, the bus to do is to serialize the commands. So one of the other methods, um, I guess one of the interfaces that a command implements is uh, the NS coding um, or the NS coder. Uh, I forget which one. One of them where it lets you tells you that you need to use this to write stuff to. And uh, 
what what it does is it basically lets you serialize a command. So basically, you can save the state of a command to whatever to disk, basically. And what this lets me do is eventually, and I haven't added this, is eventually what I could do is basically let the command bus listen to the application will terminate uh, notification and basically say, well, all the commands that haven't been done, well, let's serialize those. And we'll save those to disk. And then the next time that the bus launches, um, you know, we can just say, well, application did finish launching and, and check out that uh, notification as well. And then, you know, reinflate those commands and then just, you know, resubmit them to the bus. And then, you know, everyone's on their, goes on their merry way. And, uh, that's another thing that, that I think, uh, those enterprise things do is they, they serialize those commands or those messages so that they can be, um, replayed later. Yes, they do. Durable storage and all that fun message bus stuff. Yeah, so I mean that's definitely a possibility with this with this project, and um, forgot what I was going to say about it, but it's it's still something that you know could be really nice. So what you could also do is basically save a collection of commands eventually and and replay it. So if you wanted to undo, or maybe you undo some action and then you just kind of have like a macro that's basically a collection of commands in serial, you just send them to the bus, uh, you know, save off those commands in in uh, some kind of plist or something, reinflate them and send them off again and again and again and you know, it really doesn't care. So, so there's a lot of neat things that you could you could eventually do with the bus, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, I'll, I'll get to some of them because uh, you know I, I'm I'm doing what I need right now, and uh, I don't need it to serialize just yet. <laughs> and uh, presumably, this is open source and on GitHub, so you could even get some people to contribute, so you don't have to do all the work yourself. Whoa, really? Is that how that works? I've heard it. That's how that works. Is that is that what the kids are doing these days? Forking all over the place. <laughs> Get your fork off my lawn. <laughs> so yeah, it's open source. It's out there. Um, I think uh, my my re- uh, GitHub repo is uh, github.com slash magical panda. And uh, you can find it under uh, MGP command bus there. And uh, download the bits. Let me know what's going on. Uh, one of the other things, the other features of the bus that, that was also something that I needed was uh, the idea of subcommands. So uh, a lot of times I try to decompose bigger things into smaller problems. And uh, that meant that for certain things, like just sending one giant command was just too much work. Well, conceptually, it was a lot of work, I guess. Um, so I broke it down into smaller pieces. And basically what I have is the view controller will just say, well, send this huge command. And what the command will do is send smaller commands that, that break it up into pieces. And they set those uh, subcommands or, you know, you know, basically these, the, the, the parent command is only done when all the subcommands complete. So basically, the view controller gets a true callback when everything is actually done. So hopefully that's uh, all that is helpful for people. Yeah, hopefully it does help some folks. And I, I think I think the approach is a, a fairly common one, not just in uh, mobile development, but in general having this kind of command bus or some kind of side process or you know way of threading out and handling things asynchronously. And uh, you know there are definite benefits to it, and I think you've outlined them pretty well. Uh, let's go ahead and get to the picks. James, do you want to start us off with picks? Well, sure. I'm going to have one pick. I'm going to pick MongoDB University. A friend of mine had signed up for these classes, and he was talking about it. And I had done a little bit of MongoDB enough where I wasn't going to take one of the beginning classes, but I signed up for MongoDB for DBAs. So I've, most of my work has been as kind of a developer doing stuff like that. But I hadn't really done like replica sets, setting up a cluster, sharding. Video is actually very good. So, uh, yeah, I learned a lot. So I've been going over the past 
seven or eight weeks, been uh, watching a lot of MongoDB videos, and they've got some homework. And at the end, you get a certificate, which is fantastic, right? Everyone loves certificates. It'll actually be my first certificate ever on anything, but yeah. But <laughs> overall, I, I've learned a lot. So I can I can recommend if you want to get into uh, MongoDB, especially if you're coming from like a relational background. I think the one-on-one classes I would imagine are pretty good. So yeah, a lot of good videos. So check it out. Very nice, Pete. What are your picks? I just have an image of framed MongoDB university certificates now. I'm gonna have my head. It's getting it's getting me my Twitter background. Yeah, I'm hoping that it would come with like a nice kind of one of those gold kind of like stars and like maybe a ribbon. Oh, there you go. Well, I'll buy one if it doesn't come with that. Yeah. Mail order. So my first pick is a conference, MDevCon, which is in Amsterdam. Uh, Oots. Yep, it's happening in, in March. I'm guessing Sol may be speaking there. Maybe. Okay. That means yes. Yes, <laughs> yes actually. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm giving a, a keynote there on uh, what's next in mobile development. So that should be fun. Oh, well, that, I was, uh, I, I, I nicely set you up for a plug there. So yeah, EndevCon, I went there, I, I went to that last year, I think it was last year, and it, it's a great conference, uh, in a great city in Amsterdam. Yeah, it's really, it's a really good conference, so, um, I recommend going. My second pick, I've already, I've already picked this before, I'm gonna pick it again, cause I can do that. Pragmatic Thinking and Learning is, uh, the book I referenced a little bit earlier on or at the start of the show, actually, that talks about the Dreyfus model and kind of how our brains learn and um, lots and lots of really, really, really good stuff in that book. I keep on recommending this book to people. It's probably going to be, if you haven't read it, it'll be the most useful book you read uh, this year. How's that for a, a sell? And then my last pick, I'm kind of obliged to do this as a uh, as an employee of Fortworks. Uh, it's, a, it's a link to a presentation called Does My Bus Look Big In This?, it's actually an old presentation from like 2008. It talks about um, how enterprise service buses, those big kind of gnarly things that we kind of touched on earlier, are actually really pretty horrible to, to deal with. I don't think anyone listening to the show is planning on implementing a, a big ESB, a big TIBCO ESB, just because we were talking about message buses. But I'm obliged to tell you not to do that. Please don't use TIBCO or anything like that for your message busing needs. Um, not really related to this show, but there you go. That's it. All right. I'll go ahead and jump in with some picks. So the first pick I have is uh, I found a, a free memory app on the App Store for my Mac, and uh, it's kind of nice. Typically, I'm not really using up all of my memory, but sometimes I am, and it's usually Chrome's fault, incidentally. But uh, it is something that kind of, you know, it shows me how much memory I have free, and then it has some uh, algorithms to free up the memory. So really like that. And... Um, one other pick that I have, I used to register all of my domains on GoDaddy, and between their tacky commercials and the fact that the user interface is impossible, I switched over to Hover, which is really, really nice. And I've been slowly moving my domains over, and I finally just got fed up and just wanted to really get everything moved over, but I didn't have time to go in and make sure that all of the DNS was correct and everything before I moved it over. And so I called Hover up, and it turns out that they have a valet service. So I went in and changed my password on GoDaddy so that they can have the password. It's not anything close to anything I've used anywhere else. And they are moving all of my domains over. So I'm really excited to be able to just be done with GoDaddy. And just another thing that I just love about Hover. So I'm going to pick Hover.com. 
and uh, we'll let Saul give us some picks. So uh, my first pick is, uh, is a Mac app, and it's an iOS app too. It's been it's gotten an update recently. It's uh, it's pretty nice. Um, if you do mind mapping at all, it's it's pretty cool. I, I use this to take notes and organize my my talks for conferences and things. It's called uh, MindNode, and they've got a MindNode Pro version on the Mac App Store. Uh, it's really nice. Uh, the iCloud syncing actually works, um, and it's got a Mac uh, and an iOS app. So uh, check it out. It's it's pretty cool. And uh, my other pick is the Big Nerd Ranch. Now, uh, recently I went to visit uh, Pete up over there in San Francisco, which it's amazingly unseasonably warm right now, which is uh, a pleasant surprise. But uh, I was in San Francisco doing some uh, some teaching uh, for the Big Nerd Ranch, which I'll be doing uh, from here on in. So uh, I'll be um, kind of learning the ropes for a little while, but uh, I'll be doing that uh, as a new gig along with all the uh, application development things that I do. So check out the, the Big Nerd Ranch. They do a lot of cool classes, and uh, yeah, it should be fun. You heard it here first, folks. Is Man, that an I, exclusive? Is yes, that an I, exclusive now? I scooped my own podcast. Man, kind of idiot, <laughs> idiot host am I. But this rush to get out the door. This this doesn't go up for a week, so you're you've got, got to accelerate that, Chuck. We got to get this exclusive. Oh, well, there we go. <laughs> I'll, I'll do the transcript. I'll do everything. Go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm tweeting it right now. Just <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, thanks for coming, Saul. Sure, no problem. Hopefully, I didn't ramble too much. No, I think it was really good, and uh, hopefully, I can make it out to Denver, and we can go grab lunch again sometime. Oh, yeah, especially uh, after the Broncos win. Yeah. <laughs> you, guys have to, you, you guys have to face the number one cornerback in the game, though. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, I saw the meme on that, and, you know, now now the whole, it's a nation of Broncos fans against that guy. So so I'm, <laughs> I'm good. You guys can all be on the on the bandwagon for, for this one game. I'll, I'll, I'll permit that. All right. We'll wrap up the show then. We'll catch you all next week. <laughs>